All right, welcome everybody to episode number 38 of Collectible Live. Today is Sunday, July the 2nd, Sunday, July the 3rd, 2022, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July, all of our American friends, and hope my fellow Canadians had a nice, safe Canada Day on Friday. Thanks to everyone who tuned in last week with our guest Jordan Gilroy from Leland's. We had a great episode, but let's get to this one. Let's bring out this week's guest. He is a serious collector and investor, Reza Arian. Welcome to Collectible Live. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great, Jeremy. Thanks. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's good to have you. I've enjoyed uh, meeting with you earlier this week, getting to know you a little bit. Yes. And uh, yeah, it, it, it's really good to have you. We're going to start with a, a discussion, an interview, and then we're going to cover and talk about the uh, one of the IPOs coming up on the Collectible platform this week. Everybody watching, be sure to post your questions and comments in the chat. We will address as many as we can. But Reza, let's just get started and get to know you a little bit. How did you first get into the hobby? Um, I would say um, I grew up a, a athlete, a basketball and soccer player, and totally uh, that's where my roots come from, a passion of sports, basically. And uh, probably around 10 years old, I started really getting sucked into the NBA and that became my focal point basically of collecting. Yeah. How did you get sucked into the NBA? What was it that brought you in? Oh, that's easy. Magic Johnson, Showtime Lakers. That team was uh Magic, Kareem, Worthy, Cooper, AC Green. Can go on and on. That was a great team and just so much fun to watch as a kid. Uh that's what definitely sucked me in. Showtime Lakers. And then I got to ask, because, I mean, I remember those days and boy, that was exciting. But in 92, the dream team came along, the Olympic dream team. And uh, I mean, listen, it was a collection of the best superstars, the elite superstars of the league. What what impact did that have on you and your love for for NBA and collecting? Absolutely. That I was around 12 years old at that time. And uh, that's probably when I really, really got into cards and uh David Robinson was the big guy for the Spurs, so that was who we were following and cheering for here. Um, but yeah, 92 Dream Team, that was the best team ever assembled, in my opinion. And uh, as a kid, I mean, just best basketball ever, just totally sucked you in and you got involved in, in all aspects of it. You know what I mean? Uh, watching the off-season, you know, the, the off-season kind of stuff. So I've been enjoying that stuff since a kid, you know? Yeah, for sure. I want I want to just stick on this topic of the dream team for a moment and get your thoughts on just how much of an impact did the dream team have on, you know, really growing the market for NBA basketball on a global basis and in turn kind of help create what we have today being the NBA, this international spectacle with superstars who have reached well past North American borders. And the hobby, really, basketball has overtaken baseball as the, you know, I think the sport that attracts the biggest dollars into the into the item. So yep. how integral to that was the dream team, in your opinion? Oh, yeah, huge. It's uh, that whole group, that whole generation uh, now are 40, you know, 35 to 50 years old and have more resources to be a part of the hobby, you know, so they get to live out their childhood dreams, you know? So it's a great thing for sure. Um, but yeah, it's huge. And and the NBA and, and certain, to me, the NBA in particular is growing and it's just on a huge 
upward trajectory globally, basically. So I feel like the hobby kind of is somewhat follows that a little bit. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah. benefited from from that dream team uh, and the, the the way they they just dominate. Like like you said, that was an assembly of what became the best. I think one, you know, not that you can compare different sports, but maybe the best professional the best team made up of professional athletes of any team ever in any sport not that it's easy to compare but you know i think you could probably find nothing comes to mind even close no. you know what I mean? yeah no, yeah it's my, that was the most dominant team i can i don't remember what they won on average but i think it was at least 50 points or somewhere around there <laughs> that's it's not even <laughs> fair when, when you think about it it's, it's just not fair <laughs> but it proves just how dominant the u.s is at, at basketball right. for sure. So back to you and your collecting journey. Um, you have a daughter, and uh, yes. and can you just sort of uh, talk about how having a daughter impacted your activity in the hobby back at that time? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so she's 11 years old, and at that time, um, I was kind of doing both collecting and making some money off of that, but. At that point, I needed to clear house and use all that that money that I had spent, you know, decades basically putting towards um, and take it out at that time, which was difficult. You know, as a collector, it hurt losing some of those pieces. You know, you'll never see again. You'll never get again. But at the same time, um, I think it was a maturation process for me as a collector and understanding certain levels of importance. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, you have a child and everything changes and it was a great time. So all worth it, all worth it for sure. But it, you can only, for me and many collectors I know, you can go away, but you're always going to come back, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can you can take the person out of the hobby, but you can't take the hobby out of the person, right? That's correct. Yeah. For sure, for sure. We have a couple of people uh, chatting in the chat. We got Pepino Man here. What's going on, Pepino? Always good to see you. Brendan Ryan calling you an OG collector. So Brendan, I call Brendan Rhino BR74. He knows what you're talking about. And Pepino yeah. Man says the dream team made basketball popular in other countries and now they kick our butts in international play. <laughs> is, that because, is that because the U.S. doesn't send their professionals anymore to this to these international competitions? Though? That's I think true that's, too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely a part of it. And then the other part is what he's saying, which is they sparked all those kids from around the world become passionate about basketball and get sucked in at a young age and look at Luca, you know, he's an example right now for me of a kid that at such a young age would become, become dominant in Euro basketball is it's impressive. Yeah. It's all, it all ties in, right? It's, it's similar to when the, when Wayne Gretzky was traded from the Edmonton Oilers up in here in Canada, down to the Los Angeles Kings. And all of a sudden hockey started to, to really grow in southern california and other you i mean not like basketball or soccer for example but it grew compared to what it was and now we've got some great american-born players i think there's similarities there let's say hello to t dot jones and skeppy's back with us good evening good afternoon uh gentlemen good to see you here today so you 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 sold off your collection when your daughter was born around 2011 you said she's 11 years old um you must have then come back in and built your collection almost, I'm thinking from scratch since 2011. What have you been focusing on? What are you collecting? What are you investing in since 2011? Yeah. So when I came back, it became a combo where I was uh, 
I'm always going to be scouring the earth for <laughs> spur, rare Spurs cards, basically, you know. And, um, uh, you know, I, I went away from some stuff that I had been collecting for quite a few years, you know, certain sets, certain players. Kobe is a guy that I really admired. Um, Magic Johnson was a guy I really admired. Jason Kidd, Gary Payton, a lot of point guards, basically, also, that I collected, and I got rid of a lot of those you know, really cool pieces that I enjoyed. But uh, when I got back in, it became focusing on my Spurs collection, you know, rebuilding that basically, because I had get I had lost a few pieces that are irreplaceable, basically, you know, there was uh, a set that um, it was Duncan autograph. I think it's uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, it is right now offhand, but it, it's hand numbered and it was number 21 of 21. And for me specifically, my collection has a lot to do with, uh, I like searching basically for the jersey number cards for for mainly Spurs guys that have been on championship teams, basically. That's okay. what my Spurs collection really focuses on. Um, now, like slowly over the years, I've started building back up some of the other guys, the Magic Johnson, some of the other cards that I just come across that, you know, are fun to own, you know. Um, it's not really, I've not really had, had a desire to necessarily chase some of those other cards. Cause I just feel like, you know, it's almost di too difficult to attain. I actually pulled a card in 2007, 2008. It was a Kobe numbers pieces card. It was number eight of 24. And I found the guy that owned it, but he's a giant Kobe collector, you know, however many years later, never will give that, give that card up, you know, so you have to just live with it, move on and enjoy other things and let other people enjoy the cards too. You know, that's a part of like why we're doing some of the shows, uh, the card shows here now in San Antonio is to give different collectors opportunity to bring some of their rare cards and in a nice safe environment, have some fun and show, show them off a little bit to the other guys that don't get to see them every day in person. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And something that I always say, you know, oftentimes you're looking to pick up a card. It happened to me yesterday. There were a couple of cards I wanted to buy got into a conversation with my brother-in-law who's here and next thing i know i forgot to bid on the cards and i just say but there's all and, and you know he's like oh sorry i'm like it's okay there's always more cards there's always more cards exactly. these weren't, exactly. none of these were set killers or grails or anything like that they were just cards i, well, I thought i'd buy for myself but uh in any event exactly. there's always more cards and even if you sell at your collection you can always come back and, and get back into the hobby and find other things to collect and you just have to yeah. kind of take that pill knowing that you're not going to replace some of those truly rare pieces but you find something uh, you find something different so what do you you collect obviously but you invest too is there any yes. specific player or set or something that you're you're you would consider yourself to be heavily invested in right now? So that's, it's definitely, that process has evolved a lot over the past 10 years or so. Um, right now, I'd say maybe the past two years, I was really focused on John Morant. He was a guy that I think a lot of people were focusing a lot of that resources towards Zion, you know what I mean? And not that I don't believe Zion's going to be a terrific player. Also, I actually do think he's going to be a really good player, but I felt jaw had similar potential basically to uh, that i'm learning to focus sometimes on that killer instinct if i'm going to be investing like in some of these younger guys like prospecting you know what i mean as opposed to more established kobe and jordan LeBron kind of thing, you know? magic so so you like jaw because he has a killer instinct is that kind of what you're saying yeah yeah like the yeah. 
I've been focusing on that a lot more, the mentality. I, I would say a handful of years ago, you know, I went through a couple of different guys. I invested a lot of money in Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons. Um, I kind of get into certain guys, like get a feel for them. And then if I believe in them, then I hold specific cards probably for longer term. You know what I mean? As opposed to six months, maybe sometimes two to five years, depending on mm-hmm. my belief in a player kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So Luke is the one guy that I have high belief in. It's going to be one of the top guys. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. I wanted to say a quick hello. We got Jake Dahl in the house, the storage room. Welcome to the show. And then Brendan Ryan says, are you picking up any LaMelo ball? And uh, I finished with that comment because I was, my next question for you was going to be like, is there anything or any players that you're thinking of investing in moving forward? If you're folk, you know, if you've got some, some of your hobby capital tied up in Ja Morant right now, are you looking at anything else? Is there any other player on your, on your, uh, on your radar? possibly LaMelo Ball. I love LaMelo, yeah. He's one of those guys. He's young. Um, so it, him, Edwards, I like both of those guys quite a bit, but um, I'm, I'm cautious at this moment for both of those guys, in my opinion. You know what I mean? There's no rush for me to invest in either one of those guys. I mean, I like the Go Bear pickup that they had the other day and so minnesota is going to be pretty good actually so edwards might be the guy that i'd be more inclined to put a little bit more money to right now okay interesting interesting you mentioned earlier about jersey numbered cards and uh i want to know like and i you know just from talking to you before you have an interest in in special special serial numbers on cards so um, can you explain what you consider to be a special serial number? And, you know, it's one yeah. of these things, Rez, where I know that some people like it. Some people think it's gimmicky. They don't care. Give me any copy. You know, myself, right. Rez, I like a fun serial number. And I go, I take it even a step further. Like if it's a, if a card is out of 100, I like the one of 100. I like the 100 of 100. And I like the jersey number of 100. If the card is out of, if the card is out of like some random number, same thing applies. But I also like a card, you know, I buy a lot of hockey cards. So if I can find a card of, say, Wayne Gretzky or Sidney Crosby that is number 23 of 100, I like that because that's Michael Jordan's number. So I even like this <laughs> non, like another player's jersey number on, right. on a card from even another sport. It still catches my eye. It's not like I'm, like I'm going to pay a significant premium for it, but I might buy it if I, I might buy it simply because of that, because hey, right. it's a cool card. It's got a cool number on there. I'll take it. If it wasn't, if it was a number 20, 28, I might just not take it at all. So, but what are your thoughts on, on all that? Oh, I, I mean, I love that conversation. I've heard so many people talk about that over the years and hobby and this thing is supposed to be for fun. So do what you enjoy. You know what I mean? So if you enjoy that kind of thing, go for that. If you don't, focus on what you enjoy simple as that but i've always enjoyed that chase element to that kind of thing and then um also if you're investing in certain rookies and stuff like that i've noticed huge pattern right of uh some of those jersey numbers special number cards carry premiums to them also you know so if you can get to like that john Morant card a little early and some of those special number cards you know when it actually appreciates to that certain number you can also tackle on sometimes a multiplier for that. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. I think and I think you can tack on a premium for for that, a multiplier 
for the special serial number, you are going to alienate some potential customers for that card, but you're going to attract others who are going right. to maybe fight for that a little bit more. T-Dot says right here that the 97 of 99 Connor McDavid from Upper Decks, the cup got a premium price. Well, that that's obvious that it did because that's, probably the best one of the, of the of the 99 because the only distinguishing factor really for that card is the serial number considering that I think 94 of the 99 are three color patches so that's how oftentimes if the serial number is the only thing that can distinguish copies between them that might be the reason why you they get a premium a lot of people listening are like this is this is this makes no sense it's not that interesting and you know there's a I see that argument too but some people are really into it and I think that's that's very cool too. Uh, the storage room throws up a comment says thoughts on value of serial numbered colored parallel inserts value in long term with Panini's plethora of variations. Um, Reza, I'll let you uh, address that comment from the storage room. The value of serial number colored. So I'm very specific on the sets that I collect and invest in, and most of them don't have to do with the ones that have like a huge amount of variations. I like uh, National Treasures, Flawless, and even with those sets, um, particular numbering and cards that I'm normally targeting. So I don't really, like if it's numbered out of 199, I mean, uh, like Prism or something like that, I don't, I don't target interested. that, at, no, I don't yeah. focus on that at all. Well, I, I don't know about the long, the, I guess he's asking about the long-term value. I don't, I don't have uh, good thoughts about that. You know what I mean? I think it's uh, up and down market and that kind of thing. And not very stable. So, yeah, I think I think the whole concept of building a rainbow has has gotten um, it's just gotten almost, almost gotten obscene. Where there's just so many copies that you're now. I think you're now disincentivizing the hobby. Uh, I think Panini is disincentivizing the hobby to try and complete those parallels. And now it's become a bit of a laughing matter to a degree. Correct. And so, you know, if I'm going to answer this question from the storage room, I, I would say you have to figure out, and it's hard to do, but what are the important parallels or the important variations if there's 36 of them? And it seems to be like golds stand out amongst others as well as color matches. And that might be where you have to go and just ignore the rest of them because right. down, he's asking long-term, down the road, is somebody going to really say, I need that zebra parallel or that whatever, that the, the leopard skin? Do I really want those ones? Or are you going to look for something a little bit more standard looking, I think? So it's it's a tough one, but uh, you know it's kind of fun and it helps them to sell more product. But um, yeah, I'm, I don't, I don't, I'm not bullish on the long-term value of all those parallels. That's for sure myself. Yeah. Uh, Skeppy says, what if the patch in the Jersey, what if the patch in the Jersey number card isn't good at all compared to other copies? Well, that, that assumes that we're talking about a card with a patch. Yeah. Um, how about yourself, Reza? If the pa if it's just a simple patch, do you still like the card? I, mean, I still love the card. Yeah. I'm, I'm a number person. I like prefer that, but I, I mean, I'm hopeful that they put a decent, um, patches in some of the premium products you know what i mean so you're hopeful that you get something like that but you know really it's probably a 50 50 thing and i'm totally good with just not the best patches i just prefer uh and i'm not really big on conditioning either like that's never been a folk i just like like what i like and then 
like I said, as far as investing, it's more about specific sets that I enjoy. And when you like something, it's just a lot easier to have to pay attention to all the different recent sales, all the different, uh, you know, conversations about it and stuff. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. T dot says as a longtime collector, parallels are utter nonsense. I, mean, I, 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 I somewhat agree with that, but not completely. I think that uh, there's, there's a, there is a place for them and there is a place for a certain amount of them. And then it becomes nonsensical. I think right, we're yeah. in, I think we are in the, the era of nonsensical right now, but I don't yeah. think we've always been there. And I think we could maybe, maybe go back. Goes on to say that flashes of the junk wax era dressed up as a beauty when it is a mud, except that the, the production is still minuscule compared to the junk wax era. Um, we, we pretty much know that. Uh, and I want to go back. T. Dot also, are you picking up any stuff when it comes to investing? Um, you know, as you move forward. Definitely, he's somebody. Definitely, I target. I'm going to be looking forward to targeting some of his pieces in the long term for sure. Absolutely, yeah. and I have no problem holding Curry as a guy for like 10, 20 years. No problem. No. <laughs> he's not going to be a legend. So yeah, you're not. Listen, Jaw, Luca. I mean, these guys may be legends. It seems like Luca probably will be, but it's still too early to tell for sure. Lots can happen. Steph is Steph is done. He's a Hall of Famer for sure, 100 guaranteed. He's a top 15 player of all time. Uh, you can't put Luca or Jaw into either of those categories yet. Although I believe that uh, their values might reflect that some of those uh, milestones are and achievements are baked in already, which is why maybe they're right. not as good investments as today's values. Let's right. actually use that as a segue into uh, into Luca and the card of his that you did receive offers of over a million dollars for. Um, yeah. Why don't you talk about? that card how you acquired it and the, the the full story of it yeah that was a crazy story um another collector was uh, offering a few different collectors the opportunity to split a box of ntfotl with him and i happened to be on a trip to houston that day i told him you know what i'll do it just wait till i get to houston and then we'll we'll rip it live together and sure enough he ripped it and it was the Luca NC Blue number three of three. So he was freaking out. All his family was running in the room, and it was it was pretty exciting. But um, then um, we started discussing the card, and he wanted he was invested in other players, and wanted to use that money from that card to invest in other guys. So um, I tried to get him to hold on to it, and then I just made ended up making an agreement with him to just buy out his half of the card. And I've uh, held it since then, so for the past couple of years. Can you can you tell us what it cost you to buy out the other half of it? Um, I'd say the whole thing probably cost me around twenty two thousand, like including the the uh, splitting of the box and stuff like that. So you're so you're into the you're into the card for twenty two thousand, and then how much time went by before you started getting offers for the card yeah. and like. How many offers did you get? What do you recall? How many offers did you get? What kind of numbers were you offered for this card? And and did it, you sell it? Was, it? Mm-hmm. it was so interesting because many of my friends, I have a couple guys that I respect a lot, their opinion. And, you know, quite a few of them were like, take the $80,000, you know what I mean? And I just had a really big belief in him as a player and the rarity of this card, you know. 
And uh, <clears throat> so I just decided to hold. And so from, you know, 50,000 to 80 to 100 plus to five, getting the half million dollar offers. And uh, it was last summer at the national when I start right before then, <clears throat> I started getting a couple of people really pressing a little bit more for it and stuff. So but I, I wanted to hold on to it for a little bit longer. And, and um, so I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with that card? How many, how many bona fide offers of a million or more did you actually get? At three offers of a million or more. But yeah. And so right now, I personally don't think it's worth quite a million anymore. But so some people would say, you know, oh my gosh, you know, you lost hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever. But I'm not in it for like the short term and I have certain beliefs on the way markets work and, and this player in particular, you know what I mean? And I think he's a great long-term investment in my opinion. Again, he's not stuff, right? He hasn't attained a lot of those accomplishments yet or whatever. But to me, he's got that Magic Johnson. He's got some of these factors that I really, <laughs> really enjoy watching in particular, you know, so. Well, let me ask you this. I think this is this is the fun question is, um, what do you think the card is worth today? And, and let me actually, before you answer that, when when did you receive offers of of a million? Was that around the national last year? Was it since then? Yeah, exactly. so we're talking. I had a, I hosted it. Okay, I don't know if we've lost you, Reza. I can't hear you or see you anymore. Can somebody in the uh, somebody in the chat let me know if you can see and hear me still? Please just uh, let me know. Reza, if you can hear me or see me, maybe uh, leave and come back in. Okay, looks like we just have you. Thank you, Skeppy. I appreciate that. All right, he has left, and thank you, guys. I see your comments. I appreciate that. Hopefully, uh, Reza gets back in here in a couple of minutes. In the meantime, uh, I'm going to go back to a question we had from Lewis back uh, about 13 minutes ago. He says, I have a question for you guys. How do you manage family and your hobby? That's a that's a great question. That could actually be the topic of a whole episode itself. Lewis, if you're still here, I thank you for the question. But you know, I'm Rez is not here to answer it right now at the moment. But for myself, I can tell you that uh, you know I'm lucky. I guess my kid, well, lucky. My kids are still young. It's just my situation. So once my kids go to bed, that's when I can do sports cards live. They're not in bed right now for collectible live, but that's when I can do my my content and spend time down here in my card room, my office, my studio, and, uh, you know, hobby, hobby away. Search for cards, buy cards, scan cards, talk to friends about cards, everything that, everything that comes along with it uh, I can do once the kids go to bed. And I think that's really it. The other thing is that, you know, our phones are so portable. They're always with us to, you know, sometimes not to the, not as a positive thing, but uh, you can always hobby. You can always hobby when you're with your family, but kind of on the down low, I would say kind of on the down low. All right. Reza is back. Good to have you back. Good to have you back. What happened? Yeah. Thanks. Not sure, but that's okay. Let's uh, let's, let's keep on, on talking. What were we talking about when you dropped off there? 
out of the Luca, I guess. Uh, right, during, right. So you you received some offers for it about a year ago, and uh, so a year a lot, lot of things can happen in the hobby over the course of a year. Uh, a lot of things can happen in the hobby over the course of the last couple months in terms of. <laughs> Uh, the val- we've seen values of a lot of our cards drop in the last few months, including your uh, your Luca NT out of three. I would I would presume. So I want to know. Here's the thing: you're into the card for twenty two thousand. You had offers of forty, eighty, five hundred, three offers of a million or more. Today, what do you feel the card is worth in your mind? Um, that's an interesting question. I mean. Up, up to each person, you know what I mean? But personally, I'd say somewhere around seven, 800,000, somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, th- so, I think that's a fair assessment based on the way things have gone over the last little while. And, uh, you know, I watch, I watch a lot of high-end cards when I do the PWCC Premier Auction extended bidding coverage once a yeah. month. And uh, we watch cards like this. And um, if you ever do sell that card and you happen to sell it on pwcc be sure to let me know so i can give it some extra a few extra uh, minutes of coverage during the episode and it's always fun to watch a card that where you know the seller for sure I appreciate that brother thanks what's that i appreciate that brother thank you yeah yeah no problem no problem uh we were talking about we were talking about uh how do you balance family and hobby when you were gone there for a minute and i like this uh spurs super fan says Set your priorities. If the family don't support you, they gotta go. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then Skeppy says, "Yeah, a million dollars is life changing money. What if Luca gets hurt or does something stupid? There's a point where generational wealth takes over. Yeah. Well, a million bucks isn't generational wealth, not even close, but it's still something significant. How do you how do you make that decision not to cash out a million? Like you you think it's gonna go to two million, five million, and even though it's come down since then." That's fine. The hobby is filled with peaks and valleys. But, you know, I made similar decisions on cards that I wasn't, you know, not that kind of money, not even close, but cards I could have sold that are worth less now than they were a year ago. And, uh, you know, you kind of consciously decide not to sell some cards. And it's not that tough for collectors because we love our cards. We want to hold them. But, you know, how do you not take a million bucks? Right. Um, I guess everybody's situation is going to be different, you know. And it depends what your motivation is probably in life, you know. Um, I'm, I feel pretty blessed. I have a really strong faith. I have a really good family that I'm tight with and I'm happy. So money is not always the most important thing, uh, in my opinion, you know. And sometimes um, in, in scenarios, in my experience, when it gets to a certain level of value and stuff, it's more about making the right deal you know, and it's not always the exact number that ends up making sense, you know. So I always felt like in this cards, it was a lot of fate involved for me. And I feel like it's gonna be one of those scenarios where it all makes sense together with whoever and that end up making a deal. Yeah, no, fair comments. You know, Skeppy says, it is what the million can do, not what it is by itself. I don't know about that, Skeppy. I mean, really, a million bucks is a million bucks. And, uh, and, you know, I think, um, everyone's entitled to look at it differently and how what, what's important to them. And, uh, and Reza's done that. And I completely, completely respect that. Let's switch topics completely here for a moment. You're involved with uh, a group or an initiative called Hobby Connectors. And um, if you could sort of explain 
what it is uh, to all of us and your involvement and what really, and the mission of Hobby Connectors. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, something I'm really proud of. Uh, started working with a few guys that I grew up with. So it's another thing that I love about this, that it's I'm able to work with people I know and uh, give opportunity to other people that I know, you know, and what we're, what we've been doing is um, through different connections and, um, and opportunities that we've had, we've been bringing together different collectors um, in different scenarios, sometimes to have a networking kind of opportunity. So all these different guys can meet each other, have some fun. And um, at the same time, we're trying to bring some athletes and celebrities in the mix in order for them to get a little bit of understanding of what the collecting is, you know, what's involved, who's doing this, you know what I mean? A lot of them have not very much information on the subject, you know, so it is kind of interesting getting to talk to some of them and enlightening them on what's going on and stuff. So, uh, and then they end up getting very interested most of the time and asking a lot of questions and stuff. So it's been really great. So give us an example of something that you've done that Hobby Connectors has done to bring collectors together with uh, with the athletes that are on these cards that we collect. Yeah. So last year, my the best thing, I mean, I'm, a San, I'm from San Antonio. I'm a Spurs fan. Um, so last year, we were able to get two collectors um, from the Texas area together and bring their collections together um, for Tim Duncan to uh, have a little viewing and uh, enjoy the cards, talk about them a little bit. And um, so I had, uh, it, it, it was just a really great experience for me to get to see him enjoy, you know what I mean? Seeing some of these cards and it, it turned out to be really interesting because uh, he ended up having a, a huge collection himself. And what it was is what, um, I guess from his rookie season, different fans would send him basketball cards. And so he just kept all the cards that his different fans sent him over the year. And he had a huge collection of maybe a thousand cards. And some of them actually pretty cool cards, you know, and maybe sometimes there were Avery Johnson, uh, you know, PMG kind of card where you're like, this is interesting that somebody would send it, but this is probably 97, 98, 99. And some of these fans are actually sending him basketball cards. So, but he had a pretty cool collection of Duncan and Spurs cards, basically. Oh, right on, right on. Here, a comment from Spurs Superfan says, uh, Rez and his group Hobby Connectors are doing great things for the hobby. Looking forward to see what they do next. Is there any preview? Is there anything on the uh, on the horizon for what uh, you guys yeah. might be doing next? Yeah. Um, we hosted uh, an event last November in San Antonio where we had a bunch of different collectors. It's basically like a card show where we had tables set up um and this really nice venue like a full court basketball court inside this home um, we had you know dj and and food and drinks and a lot of uh spurs athletes celebrities uh come basically and be a part of it and um we're planning on doing a second one of those um probably in the next three months all right. so that's the the big thing. We might do something in in uh, Atlantic City also at the National, a little cocktail uh, get together, trade night kind of thing. So might be on the lookout for that also. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. There's. I'm already noticing with the National around the corner now that there are lots of different events that are starting to pop up. Uh, you know, in the in the evenings and if i if i were to use last year as sort of a baseline i remember last year 
I had something every night and, and on, on the Thursday and the Friday, night, there were like two or three different events that were overlapping and it was sort of tough to get to everything. And um, are you noticing like this year, it seems even Absolutely. more so there's even more groups having <laughs> events and trying to bring people together uh, and doing you know, events multiple nights, you know what I yeah. mean? So it, it's a lot of overlapping. It's going to be interesting for sure. So, it's really the whole the national has become so much more than a card show. It really is a week long social networking card collecting event, and that's really what makes the hobby. Because yeah, yeah you if you're if you're an introvert, that's fine. Go to the show, buy your cards, and leave, and go home and do what you do to keep to be happy. But if you're right. someone who likes to socialize and grow your network and forge relationships and build contacts um the na there's not nothing like the national so you'll be you'll be there of course absolutely, absolutely and uh and are you are you looking forward to the extracurricular activities that go on uh, beyond show hours oh you know what it makes it for long mornings but you know i mean uh to be honest with you i'm ready i've been working out the past couple of weeks so <laughs> you're working out being in shape getting in shape, no, getting in shape. No, getting, I, i'm like okay well you're you're war you're warming up for late nights of maybe some drinks some socializing and then getting up early so you're going to bed at three trying to, six. trying to do the opposite go to bed early eat healthy exercise so that when i go there stay up late eat terrible then I don't feel as bad. <laughs> you're, so you're you're actually building up your energy reserves right now, so that you can spend it all at the end of July <laughs> in Atlantic yeah. City. It's a big sure. burst of fun. It's gonna be great. Let's look at T. Dot brings up a comment here. He says, "Do you think COVID set the hobby in motion to levels that it would that would never be seen otherwise?" That's an interesting question. It's so hard to uh, it's so hard to predict what would have been, you know. You just right. it's like predicting the future. I mean, I would I would think that uh, maybe yes, but I think that uh, maybe it jumped it quicker. But I still saw a gradual growth of something. So I, yeah. it was in, it was inevitably growing, and everything has to readjust, and you know what I mean. Come back to levels that make sense. You know, markets have to correct. And it looks like that's what's going to happen. But also, there's a lot more going on than just the sports car market right now. So definitely, definitely. Well, let me ask you this question. Um, what life skills have you learned through your involvement in sports cards? And this, I just I really like this yeah. question because I think I, I think the sports cards, the hobby, our ecosystem does provide people with some really good skills, young people for certain. But how about yourself? How do you what have you gotten out of the hobby on a from more of an intangible uh, basis? I love all the business stuff I learned from a young age, but I would say similar to sports, um, you work with people, you know, you work together with people, you learn how to encourage people and get the best out of people. And um, so it's similar to sports. I, I just grew up in that basketball soccer mentality where you're playing with a team you're pushing each other trying to get better and i enjoy the hobby too because you can help each other with their collections and um yeah it's it's nice yeah sure where do you think where does the hobby go from here here we are at the beginning of july 2022 we've just come out of the probably the most turbulent two three years that the hobby's ever seen 
And, uh, you know, things are starting to level back out again. And by that, I mean settling into, you know, more of the the appropriate levels of pricing values that, uh, you know, that aren't sort of sky high. And um, where, do you, where do you feel that the hobby goes from here? Oof. Um, I think it's... Uh... It's going to go continue to rise in popularity globally over time, in my opinion, just like sports is continually growing, in my opinion. So it kind of piggybacks that. And then also it's become a lot more recognized to me as like a certain level of asset and a lot more people like I, I mentioned to a lot of people, basically, that I see how people are understanding it as a form of art, basically, now and as something um tangible to collect you know and an a nice asset that's maybe not as uh fluid as some other things but you know has a nice has had a nice growth over the past however many years so i think we're i think we're fortunate to be in a hobby you know and i i mean you've been in the hobby for your whole life it sounds like i've been in the hobby my whole life i think we're fortunate that these these items that we collect have become investments as just as a consequence of us owning them and and as a consequence of a lot of people not wanting to sell them uh but people do sell these items and we get these uh these record prices it seems day after day and you know year after year uh so i i feel lucky that my hobby is one that is also one that provides some financial stability or a bit of uh, you know a rainy day fund, some some foundation, you know, because it's um, it, it's just nice that we love these things so much and they carry value. And I don't think there's it yeah. seems like there's some negative connotations around that that float around the hobby and various yeah. uh, various channels, various um, content. But to me, I think it's just uh, it's just it's a, we're fortunate, we're lucky that 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 it worked out that way, and and that sports is such a part of it's ingrained into culture. Cards are are def are just a you know a, a very powerful sort of um, offshoot of the sports themselves, and they allow us to feel like we're a part of things, you know. And I think that's Absolutely. I think we're, we're just fortunate in that way for sure. Uh, Justin Vick says sports cards have helped my organization skills. You know that's one that I believe it, and I, I feel the same way for myself. But it's one of those skills that I've never really identified so specifically like justin just did and um and there's something to be said for that you know you you want to keep your stuff organized for sure the more organized you are the more efficient you're going to be in whatever whether it's uh figuring out what you need for your collection or if you're someone who sells cards um you get in and out of them being organized is definitely going to help and tito says cards took a piece out of the frumpy art world okay A question I ask everybody, we are on Collectible Live here, Reza, is um, what are your thoughts on fractional investing as it fits into the overall hobby landscape? No, I mean, I love it. More opportunity for uh, just having people have the opportunity to do different kinds of things, you know. Um, It doesn't always have to be this one set thing, you know. There should be opportunities for different people to have different kinds of things, so... I love that it just creates a little diversity for people. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of what you're getting at that it allows people who, you know, the typical example I use is the 52 tops Mickey Mantle in high grade or the T206 Honus Wagner. Very few of us are going to ever own any Honus 
uh, never, you know, or a PSA eight and above Mickey Mantle. But those are the kind of cards and what we now in, in when we're talking from an investment perspective, we are now referring to them as assets. Um, right. But these are the type of assets that most of us will never own. Yet we can own a fraction of one through collectible. And I liken it to, and I want to see if you agree with this, but I'm never going to be able to go out there and buy Apple or Google or Amazon. I just, I just don't have a trillion dollars, but I can buy a piece of that company and then benefit or not benefit from how that company is operated and how it runs and whatever, you know, happen, whatever the, the, you know, the, the threats on that company are the, the whole SWOT analysis realm of realm of, uh, of impacts you know, um, where, so, you know, you're not going to be able to go buy this company, but you can buy a piece of it and then enjoy the benefits of it with sports exactly. cards. You, you can't buy the whole card, but you can buy a piece of it and then enjoy the benefits of that card's trajectory over time. Does that re resonate with you? How I just exactly. described that? Correct. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I asked that question to everybody that comes on collectible live. And, um, I, I, I try to find a way to, advance my own thinking on it and uh so I, I think i was just able to sort of do that uh, at least in my own head so thanks for that let's see sure. spurs super fences what do you think fanatics will bring to the hobby in a few years when they take over are you optimistic about the hobby i'm sure listen i think we've all thought about this um and i've talked about it before on sports cards live probably on collectible live a little bit but let's hear your thoughts reza what do you think yeah i mean um uh... So far, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic for sure. I mean, I know people are, are always going to have hesitation when anything is new, you know, and there's been different kinds of things that need adjustment and change in the hobby for quite a few years. So going into a whole new thing, you get cons more concerned sometimes, but hopefully this will be an example of them correcting a lot of things and uh, hopefully pushing forward, you know, good positive things for the hobby. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. If I were to take a stab at it, I would say, first of all, I don't know what they're going to bring to the hobby, but I'm going to speculate that they are going to uh, expand the market just by based on their reach and their ability to put money into marketing. And then my hope is that they don't compromise quality and that they really keep an eye on the delicate balance between supply and demand because they may they may forecast the demand to be way up here but it may take time to get there so i hope that they don't that they don't pr produce enough supply for the demand that isn't there that they wait for the they always keep the demand a little bit higher than the supply i think that's right. going to be the key to uh to them keeping the hobby healthy uh as much as they can make sense totally totally agree Great. Uh, T-Dot says fractional is the natural evolution of supply, scarcity and demand coupled with lack of means. Yeah, well said, T-Dot. I think that makes a lot of sense. Justin Bick says the first few sports cards products Fanatics puts out are so important, all eyes on them. Yeah, you know, the one thing, though, is that they own Tops, and Tops has been putting out sports cards for, you know, 70 years. So I agree that, that eyes are going to be on them. Um, but I think it really is going to come down to what happens with one. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take Justin Vick's comment and put a small spin on it. And I'm going to say the first few sports cards that Fanatics puts out that are old Panini licenses are going to be very important. Those are going to be more important than what happens with baseball and tops over the next couple of years. 
once once fanatics can be in charge of basketball and football, then we'll really know the impact that they're going to have. Because I think Tops pretty much knows what they're doing. That's T Dot says right here. Fanatics Fanatics has the benefit of a long runway with lots of consultation, which is very very true. What are your thoughts, Brez? Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what sets they put together and how they choose to do it. But, you know, we'll see if they've been paying attention <laughs> or not, you know, if the collectors will be happy or not. But it's been ongoing issues and there's always sometimes other priorities that some companies have, you know, so uh, it is what it is. We That's why it's just important to enjoy it the best you can, you know. Boom. If you're going to make it a career, then you better, like anything, put everything you got into it, all your energy and resources. You know, so. Yeah. Otherwise, well, enjoy it. <laughs> I'm with you. I think we, we do, Reza. I know, listen, you're, you're active on, on Instagram. I, you know, you're, you're a well-known guy in the hobby in, in your, in your, your card show scene and the people you travel with. And I think that we, uh, we often, we, we often, as collectors and just hobbyists, we forget. We forget that it comes down to the cards. At the end of the day, the hobby is about the cards. You know, it's, it's about the people. It's about the people and the cards. But sometimes the people can uh, can make the enjoyment of the cards a little bit more challenging because, you know, there's just a lot of people who want to just kind of rain on other people's parades and make it less fun. So it's I think it's important to uh, enjoy the enjoy the hobby the way you hobby and i'm saying that to everybody however you hobby enjoy it and uh as long as the way you enjoy it isn't attacking everybody on social media then i'm going to support the way that you enjoy the hobby and um and it's not a bad idea once in a while to unplug from social media and just uh just in you know kind of reground yourself find find your your center of balance and uh, and then go back go from there get out again from there so absolutely all right, let's take a look at there's one IPO coming up on the collectible platform this week. It's a fun one, and I'm glad that it's uh, right up your alley because it is a basketball card. Uh, but very quickly, I just like uh, Justin's comment right here. I hobby hard. It's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone watches curling, but they they go, they go they yell at the very top of the line, hurry hard, hurry hard. It's like, hobby hard, hobby hard. That's what I, that's awesome. what sounds like a pirate, but uh, thanks, Justin. Big appreciate that. Baseball card curmudgeon back in. What's going on? Um, okay. Uh, so let's talk about the one IPO come up on the platform this week. It is this card right here. I'm going to put it on the screen. There you have it. It is the Steph Curry 2009 Tops Gold Rookie Card. This is a PSA 9. It is numbered on the back out of 2009. So there are, again, only 2009 copies, copies of this card produced, and it is known for having condition issues. So a PSA 10 is very rare. I'll tell you how rare. This card has been submitted to PSA 349 times, and only 20 copies have received the grade of Gem Mint 10. That is a gem rate of 5.7%. And I want to contrast this with his base rookie from Tops, which has been graded 3,513 times with there being 365 gem mint 10s for a gem rate of 10.4%. What that tells me is 5.7 gem rate on the gold, 10.4 on the regular. It's a it's twice as hard to get a gem mint copy of this gold card versus the regular card. 
I'm going to share the, well, first of all, there's the back of the card right there. You can see this one looks to be numbered 1,789 out of 2,009. And here's the population report for the Steph Curry Gold. This card here, as you can see, you add up this column. It's been submitted to PSA 349 times. I just, and I just screen captured this yesterday. So 20 PSA 10s as of yesterday, even a nine is tough, only 69 nines. And then it goes from there. So this card is, this is, this is a pretty uh, rare card overall at 2009 copies, which, you know, listen, 2009, it isn't 10, it isn't even a hundred, but when you consider how many copies of more modern cards are printed, um, this is a, this card is definitely tough to get. And again, only 20 PSA 10s. Now, Steph himself, he's obviously elevated himself uh, this this last season into a top 10 or 15 player of all time. He claimed the record for three-pointers. He's credited with changing the way the game is played in terms of shooting. And he won his fourth ring and first championship MVP uh, without KD on the team. I thought that was pretty cool. Reza, going to turn it to you for a moment. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, using your basketball knowledge and experience, speak a little bit about Steph's legacy as an all-time great? Do you think he's top 10, top 15, or do you think he's top three? Someone in the chat earlier said he might go down as a top three player. I don't feel that way, but I want to know how you feel. So first of all, his legacy, and then let's talk about how the hobby has turned their attention to his cards over the last year or so from your perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wow. You know, he's uh, one of the few guys in my time that I've seen change the whole game, the way it's been played. You know, Will Chamberlain, there's a handful of guys that you can name that literally change the way rules and, and the way that basketball is approached. And his ability to shoot from anywhere on the court, you know, um, off the dribble, you know, any any form of shooting, basically, he's almost perfected. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, like, uh, to me, he's cemented his spot as one of the top ten. I don't – I won't go top three for sure. I, there's way too many guys that I think maybe – as far as in particular two-way kind of kind of thing, I look as an overall better basketball player. Not maybe as far as investment and stuff like that goes, you know. But uh, yeah, he's top 10 probably, in my opinion, yeah. Unstoppable. And then, yeah, his cards are, it's gonna be one of those things that's gonna be more and more difficult to get as the years go on. And to me, it's gonna be looked at as that legend from this, you know, time period right now. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm watching the chat and, you know, we've got T dot says top five for sure. No, to put him in top five, you have to think about who's no longer in those top five is Kareem, not top five is, you know, I mean, the, the list goes the list goes on. Yeah. I mean, I'm drawing a blank right now, but, you know, you've obviously got MJ, you've got you've got LeBron, you've got Kobe, you've got Shaquille O'Neal, you've got Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain. Dr. J, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, like who is he supplanting to get exactly. into the top five? Exactly. I, I, I'm comfortable. I've seen all sorts of lists lately. I'm comfortable with him being like top 12. There's all those player, all those 11 players before him. I don't know if he's there yet, but hey, I'm not a professional basketball scout by any means. I'm not even an amateur basketball scout. So um, let's go. Let's go to a couple comments here, and then we'll get back to the card itself and the on the offering. Tita says that's the most uninspiring sports card I've ever seen. Well, the reason being is that um, 
it's it wasn't in 09 tops i don't believe they had a license with with uh, either the nba or the pa so they couldn't put the team uh colors on here and i felt the same way but the card has grown on me as steph has grown on me and i just think it's a it's a nice picture a nice portrait picture of a really young steph curry but it's too bad that it wasn't fully licensed. That's for sure. Yeah, Tito says that, that his yearbook photo. Justin, <laughs> Vick, Justin Vick says, I think he's top 10, but being the greatest shooter of all time trumps a ranking for me. Yeah, like that, that's maybe the best way I've ever heard it put. It's like, who cares if he's top 10 or top three or top five? But we're, we're, we're just obsessed with lists, you know, as humans yeah. and, and as hobbyists. But the fact that he's the best shooter of all time, yeah. That's he's number one as far as that goes. That's very important. T dot agrees. Best shooter Great. ever. Justin Vick says the card shows the babyface assassin in all his glory. Yeah, well said right there. So okay, so that's the front. There's the back of the card. There's the population report, and this are these are the most recent comps from Card Ladder. Uh, and all this all this information and tidbits that I'm sharing, I get these from the collectible app. And if anyone is interested in going onto the collectible app and reading up more on this offering or any offering, I encourage you to do so. So with this in mind, I want to let everybody know that 0% equity is being retained by the consigner of this card. And it is being offered at a market cap of $32,000 going live on the site Wednesday, July 6th at 8 p.m. Eastern. So if we look at these comps, it's being offered at 32, and we can see from the last five sales going back to only February, going only back a few months, we've been all over the board. 60,000 in February, down significantly to 38.4, 28.8, back up to 34.8, down to 28.8 last time at Golden, and Collectibles offering for 32, which is kind of nestled you know in between these two a bit on the higher side there but if you look at the average of these last four and i'm not doing the math quick enough but i think it's right in there which i think is a very fair offering on behalf of collectible and nice uh nice that they integrate card ladders data into their um onto their platform so that's the offering that's the one uh, ipo to look at this week uh, ahead the Steph Curry tops gold in the PSA 10 population of 20 with a gem rate of 5.7%, which is pretty darn tough to get. So with all that, Rez, any uh, any final comments before we wrap up? We're just about at the hour mark, and that's where I like to end this, these episodes. So, um, you know, good. let me let me just first of all say thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to join the show. It's been great to have you. I enjoyed meeting you the other night. Look forward to seeing you in Atlantic City. Uh, final comments from you, and then we're going to wrap this up. Well, thanks for having me. It's been nice getting to meet you and getting to talk about everything. I didn't get to show you any cards. Oh, cards. I totally forgot. Show some cards. That's the million dollar Luca, huh? There's the Luca. Let me show you some stuff real quick. That's what my Spurs guys. 0304 exquisite nameplates. You can't probably see the numbers. Jersey number 9 to 25. Very nice. Uh, let's see what else. That's twenty nine ten. Uh, D Rob jersey number fifty of fifty. Exquisite. I, love, I was a David Robinson fan myself. Yes, absolutely. Let's see, just a bunch of random stuff, man. Oh wait, yeah. I wanted to show you the Kemp card too. Just 
Oh, out. the Kemp PMG Green. Yes, we were. We ran out of time to talk about your acquisition story on that, but uh, that's a beautiful yeah. card. So there you go. Get it in there for you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, PMG man, Green is, is nice. Good to meet you, man. And uh, I look forward to hopefully getting to see you and a lot of different collectors out in Atlantic City. Looking yeah. forward to it. Definitely will. Definitely. All right, man. Hang tight right there. Everybody in the chat, thank you so much for joining us on Collectible Live here on Sunday, July the 3rd, 2022. We will be back next week and next Saturday on Sports Cards Live is the fifth and final episode of the Tag Reveal series. Have a great week ahead, everybody. Thanks for joining. It's been a pleasure as always, and we will see you again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.